Let's talk Africa, the Africanness of Africa, the beauty, its people, our peculiarities. This is on Zip Stories. I am DS Bello. Sangya's a mother. She's an advocate. I'm a beautiful young woman. So, and I deserve to look good, feel good, and smell good. Welcome to Unsafe Stories Africa. It's a pleasure to join you from Liberia. And today we have an inspiration with us. We have a motivator, someone that is pushing the pillow of people living with disabilities, proving the fact that disabilities is not inability. So she is here with us today and will tell us her life journey. How has it been? and what are factors she has encountered and how she's breaking barriers throughout this life unforeseen circumstances. Hello, Samrika, and welcome to Unsafe Stories. Hi, and thank you for having me. It is a pleasure and an honor to be with you. Okay, can you just kind of uh, say add your name like I see uh, <laughs> my name is Simrika Kit Sange Zoga. I'm from Grand Bassa in Lofa County. Okay, I see. That's a very beautiful name. So, who is Sange? <laughs> Sange is a mother. She's an advocate. She's a mother. She's a motivational speaker. And she's an entrepreneur, a businesswoman. And she's a friend. She's a daughter. And thank wow. you with so many caps, yeah. The list go on. So I see that Sangye was born in Liberia. Mm-hmm. And right now she's in the United States of America. Yep. So how was life in Liberia? Hmm. Life was not pretty. Life was hard as a person with disabilities living in Liberia. It is hard. It is difficult to get around and to live in society and because our country is not inclusive, our people are not being educated about disabilities and stuff like that. So yeah, so it was not pretty living in Liberia because I lived there, I grew up there. I came here when I was in my 20s. So yeah, so I, I saw everything in Liberia. So, and it was not pretty. And being discriminated every day and being bullied, being called witch, being called cursed, and all the derogatory names. And it, it, it is something that, and I don't think anybody deserves to go through it. So I would say life was not pretty in Liberia, yeah. So right now, life been so much this in Liberia. Mm-hmm. Um, were, were you born this way? Yes, I was born with deformity to my feet and to my hands. One of my hands. So I was born, yeah, I was born like that all my life. So my feet, is, they have different conditions and my hands are different. Okay, all right. So um, when you you started to grow up as a person, mm-hmm. especially a child, mm-hmm. let me first know, how many children um, do your parents have? My dad had eight, and my mom okay. had two. Let's talk about the siblings aspect. Mm-hmm. You coming up among these people, among these siblings. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, were you the only person with this uh, form of deformity? Yes. And how was the um, relationship with them, especially taking into the, to consideration your condition? I never see any hate with my brothers because the thing about it, my dad passed away at very at a young age. So I, I never had the opportunity to see my father. It was during the war. My dad passed in 1992. I was like probably like three years old and stuff like that. So I never had the opportunity to grow up in a hospital for that. So my brothers lived different places and stuff like that. But yeah, but even when I was around them, they didn't, they didn't show no signs of, and like discriminate against me. The only thing I could remember was my grandmother, my dad, mom was the okay. one that I saw that she didn't like me. And my my mom even told me that when she when she came from the hospital after giving birth, my grandmother was angry and saying, why is my dad so decided to have a thing like me? How will you have a baby that look like a witch? And whatever you decided about her. And then my late grandmother, my mom on the mom was angry and they had a serious fight. And my grandmother, like, you cannot talk this about my grandchild and stuff like that. So my mom told me those stories. And then also growing up, I didn't, I remember whenever we go see, I would go speak to my parents. My, my dad had a whole family house in EAWA. So we go speak to the family. And I remember my grandmother would take my little sister and place her on her lap and be crying, but she never hold me. So I never wow. saw that love. She, was, she would have me standing. But I think she was afraid that when I touch her, maybe my disabilities were rough on her. I don't know, but I never saw a love on the ground. Like, um, even like my grandma loved the grandchild, mm-hmm. no. I never mm-hmm. saw that on the ground. So that was the only person in my family that I saw that didn't like me because I had disabilities. Okay. So you were, you were really embraced by, by your mom? My, yeah, but by, by my mom on the mom. Okay. What's about your biological mother? Oh yeah, she loved me. And my mom was very tough on me. <laughs> and my mom had me when she was very young. So being a young girl, still in high school, and having a child with disabilities, you know how we young people is, you know, your friends will be talking about you. Oh, you see that young girl that she born child, child looking like this, or the child looking like witch. Now we the African people would think that we had disabilities a witch, it's a curse. So don't say it's a witch. It took my mom time for her to be able to adjust and to accept the fact that your daughter had disabilities and stuff like that. But my dad was her support. And she always said, my dad told her, I don't care how much I look, I'm going to cherish my daughter. So he always told her that we have to love this child and stuff like that. So later on, my mom came around. And ever since my mom been my biggest supporter, my prayer warrior, and she, I remember growing up with my mom. I was, I used to cry. I thought she hated me because she was very tough on me. Then my little sister, she would make me to cook. She would make me to clean. She would make me to braid hair. Today I braid hair. I don't have 10 fingers, yes, but I do I thought you did last time braiding your own hair. Yeah, I do braid hair. So she make me do all these things. But I was so angry with her. And I like, she hates me. She don't like me, but now I can appreciate her because she will prepare me for this world that I was coming into. I needed to be independent because not all the time she was going to be around me to do it for me. So I would say, yes, my mom loved 
her daughter. She loved me. And she did the right thing by pushing me to go beyond my limits. Wow. That's good. Now, um, let's talk about your transformational aspects. Mm-hmm. After going through Liberia's torture on a normal mm-hmm. basis, mm-hmm. because I know in Liberia, you just being a child at least that does not have any disabilities, but mm-hmm. maybe you are not attractive to setting a stand, not that mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. You are as a son of Bule. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, what about a person with disabilities? Is something extreme? So, how did you get along, especially from that grassroots stage? Like you were going to school, right? How was the experience yeah. with your friends in school? How was it like? Um, the experience in school was not good either. And uh, I remember even from high school to college and from elementary. And I would see children running away from me, even even in college. And because I did not have shoes, so I was walking with my barefoot for 20 plus years. So I only used to wear socks. And I lived in Rele, which is called Gobacho area. I don't know if yeah, you have yeah. an idea of those places. And I know Rele, that place is always morning. So yeah, so can you imagine brave over there and then I only wear socks. So I used to walk in the mud. So now curl because when it's because when it's rocky my feet it hurt with the rock. So I have to pull my hands down to be able to move around. So sometimes when I go to class, my socks will get wet when it's rainy season. And then student in the class, my classmates, some people will not want to sit by me, they will be running and take to a different place and stuff like that. So yeah, it was not pretty. And when they see me coming, people start laughing. Oh, I see that cripple girl. You see that handicap people. And I'm like, but I have few people in classes that they love me. And few of my friends, we are, wish I can appreciate them for that because they show me empathy. They show me humility and stuff like that. But, and I would say like 90%, no. And even I remember enrolling into school, at the boarding school, my foster dad and I went to, he took me to the boarding school to enroll, and then the registrar tried to deny me. He said, we can't accept her because the kid would, would laugh at her and will have no control mm-hmm. over the children. And my dad was like, my foster dad was like, why? Why would you deny a child from education because all the children will laugh? And he demanded that they accept me. That's how I was accepted in school, and I graduated from that boarding school. Wow. And the registrar were kind, but you know the ignorance of people yes. and you were worried about because it's a boarding school. Being a boarding school is it's hard. You have to be tough mentally to be there. So he was concerned about if I was really mentally prepared to deal with the bullies and stuff like that. So they were worried. But you know, our country is not equipped to know how to deal with children with disabilities, how to educate people or, or educate the student that this child look people look different, they should be accepted and stuff like that. So the only solution they have was we don't want her to go through this. So we have can't allow her in the school, which is not good because I have so many kids in Liberia that is going through this particular situation, being denied, don't have access to education because of the disabilities. It's not fair to us. Yeah. Wow. I can just imagine how it has been from that grassroots dish. Mm-hmm. So now how did you get to America? Oh, 
I started my advocacy. So I was living with the late President Paul daughter, which is called Auntie Christine, with her soul rest in peace. So Auntie uh, Christine brought a lady called Mr. Pugh, who was into microfinance loan. So when she introduced me to Mr. Pugh, and Mr. Pugh said, oh, you can come to my office to see if you can get some loan to do business and stuff. So, and the Christine was trying to empower me, this young woman, she, she's a she's a good mentor. So just trying to prepare me for the real world as a young lady. And so that how I went to Mr. Pugh's office and Mr. Pugh and I connected from there well, with Mr. Pugh in the foundation. She had a foundation called Foundation for Women. And so whenever they have the event, they would take me to be able to speak to the women to tell them that, you know, the loan they're giving them, they should be able to pay back, trying to empower women and stuff like that. So, and Ms. Pina, I started to do that. She started mentoring me too. So she became a daughter of so many mothers, okay? So she, she became another mother too. So okay. I was I was under her wing and stuff like that. So I remember my church, my first time to ever fast in my life. They had a 21 days of fasting and praying. I took that time. I didn't even have food to even break my fast. Someday I will go to bed with no food. I will fast for all day and no food to eat for the next day. So I got so slain to the same people thought I was sick, but they didn't know that I was fasting. Also, I didn't have food to eat. <laughs> so after the fast, I after that imagine. Yes. The only thing I could remember, my daughter was a baby, but she was the only person that God was providing food for. The milk I was giving her was so expensive. People were wondering, what did you take money for? I can't even buy my own food, but my God was making with my daughter have food to eat. So after I broke my fast, and then that thing, the inter-Christian called me, not the Christian boy, and Mr. Pugh called me. He said, Samirka, I think I call her mommy. I said, yes, mommy. She said, guess what? I said, what? She said, there's a conference in New York. I want you to go there. They want me to go. But I don't think America need my boss. America need you. I'm like, I didn't take it seriously. So I'm like, I don't even have a passport. I'm not talking about going to America. <laughs> so the mommy, I ain't got a passport. She said, come to the office. So I went to her office. And... Her, her organization, the Foundation for Women, which Mr. P was the CEO, and there's another white lady called Deborah. She was the she was the founder of the organization. So they decided to sponsor me to go do the passport. So they gave me money, and I did a passport, and also went online, applied for visa, and the rest is history. Okay, I can see that God works in a mysterious way. He does. Um. Another thing, you have a daughter. Mm-hmm. How did you get this daughter? Is it that <laughs> married? I was more married, but now I'm divorced, so I'm single. Yes. Oh, you you were married. I, I was married to her dad. Yeah, but we okay, are divorced. in Liberia. Yes. Oh wow. She's how many years of age? The twelve. So now, why exactly you decided to get into advocacy? Someone needed to speak out. Someone needed to be the voice for the voiceless. And I have seen how people with disabilities in Liberia have been mistreated. 
being marginalized and being discriminated. And if nobody could do it, I talk, I talk, <laughs> I challenge myself to do that. And I know people not going to like me. They're going to be pretty. And and I was ready for that. And speaking out for the most vulnerable, it brings joy to me. That's one of the. I don't know how it is, but whenever I speak out for my people, I have that relief. Like somebody need to respect us. Somebody need to treat us with respect and dignity. We are human beings. All I'm, all we ask for is opportunity. That's all people with disabilities need. We, like, we are not asking people. It is not a privilege for us to be treated equally. It is our right. So, and I and I think that we deserve it. So that's how my advocacy came about because of all the things I have been through and how people been, have been discriminated, even in, on the street, in taxi, this, everywhere I go in the marketplace, so like, somebody need to say something. And that person would be nobody but me. So that's when I started my advocacy. And I told myself, it's not just for Liberia, but for Africa as as whole and the world. Because okay. the way we get treated, it is in such a disgusting manner. And I don't think no human being should be treated just because the way they look, the way they speak, the way they walk. Okay. Um, I see that you are a model. Yeah, I'm a model. How does it look like, especially in a few uh <laughs> your condition how does it look like how does it feel like it are you are you being embraced by the organizers of, of i'm talking about people in the fashion world are you being oh. embraced by them? <laughs> it is it is it is funny though because people when you when you say i'm a when I say i'm a mother and people be there most especially in our african culture people say that why the cripple girl won't prove the first thing they say, oh, the cripple girl at the bluffle. But I love fashion. I fell in love with fashion at the age of seven. When I was, whenever people laugh at me, I will go back close. And where I, my mama gave me recess. You know, my mama used to bake before. She was a, she baked good bread. So she used to bake and give her bread to carry to school to, to sell. And the profit, which she used it for recess. So okay. I would take my own profit and go back close and wear. So I just love to look good because after, uh, fashion fa- fashion is my place of comfort. Whenever I dress up, I feel good about myself. My confidence level is increased. So yeah, so being being, being embraced in a, in a world, a world of fashion, it is hard for people with disabilities because people think that we shouldn't dress, we shouldn't look good. And then also the, the fashion industry is not inclusive. There are some brands and clothes that they make, some clothes that it is not even accessible to us. Like the, the jeans will have to cut jeans, the way they will put a zip, some somebody with a hand problem cannot even go to the back and zip it up. So all these things, these are some of the things I see like when people need to be inclusive and be able to include us, these brands, and see how they can make clothes. And then when we have brands that say they are inclusive brands, they make clothes that are so old-fashioned. When I say old-fashioned, it looks like something that's not even fashionable. Like they think that people with disabilities shouldn't look good, shouldn't look sexy. And that is so wrong. We are all beautiful. 
And then people get people get annoyed. So they want to see me dress up and see me maybe to the pool in a bikini. They're like, "What a cripple girl wants to prove?" I'm like, "What are you talking about? I'm a beautiful young woman. So and I deserve to look good, feel good, and smell good." Okay, now let's talk about you being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What kind of goods you sell? So in America, I run a Facebook platform which millions of people from around the world watch me. And so I I go by the name No Limit. And I feel like there should be no limit to what a person can do. Not not because I have a disability, so I should be limited. And I think everybody out here, there should be no limit to anything you want to do. Not even the scar. People say that the scar, the scar should be, you should go beyond the scar. So I created a platform called No Limits, which I bring awareness about people with disabilities. I create content that addresses issues about people with disabilities and stuff like that. I bring people on my show and interview people, interview guests and stuff like that. So I decided to like make hoodies, the aprons, the hat, and the mark and stuff like that and pull the no limit and sign on it and, and sell it because I just feel like people should have that. Whenever people wear it, they should feel like there should be no limit to what you can do. Okay. Then now, why you decided to be so um, multitasking? You, you, <laughs> doing multiple things. Yeah. Once. Because there, there is no limit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. If you, you can be a doctor, you can still be a businesswoman, you can still be a mother, you can still be a wife, you can still be a model. Yeah, you know what I mean? We can do it, man, right? We can do yeah, anything. Yeah. Anything you give us, anything we, we 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 are like we are like the soil. Put anything that we it's gonna grow. We're gonna it's gonna be fertilized and it's gonna grow. So yeah. That's the power of a woman. Wow. So, so amazing. Now, um, you being an advocate for people with disabilities, mm-hmm. is there a situation where you have certain group of people that you usually connect with, especially the people with disabilities you connect with and try to talk to them one-on-one, or is it something that they just don't online? No, my advocacy is is uh, something that is broader. It's all. It's not just online. Sometimes, like Christmas and stuff like that, I distribute food in Liberia to people with disabilities. And my advocacy is not for a specific group of disabilities. Like I see some people say, they're only working with people who have physical challenge, people who have who, who are visually impaired, people who have speech impairment and stuff like that. My advocacy is for everyone that has disabilities. So I go wow. beyond because I feel like every one of us go through the same thing. So what the essence of me being this for me discriminating say, oh only this because I, I have physical disability, so I shouldn't advocate for physical disability. No, I don't do that. I go beyond uh, anybody that be whether you have uh, whether whether you are autistic, whether you you have Down syndrome, whether you yeah, I advocate for everybody because I believe in inclusiveness. And I believe that people with disabilities should be empowered. So yeah, sometimes when I have Christmas, I share with people, oh, can you bless people with disabilities in Liberia so they can have food for Christmas? I'm gonna have everything to give people money and distribute this, but the little people give me, 
about food and distributing people so my brothers and sisters that look like making have a meal on the table for Christmas so I do that every year for Christmas and stuff like that okay now um you you are I don't know you are extra ordinary woman I'm honor now you want inclusiveness this society mm-hmm so what do you want what do you expect from people living with disabilities people with disabilities do not pay it themselves they shouldn't see themselves like somebody that can't do it if they yeah. want this job they should empower themselves they should go to school if you if you want to do business do business if you want to be a model be a model you shouldn't limit yourself not because you have disabilities you should sit there and pity yourself and feel like the the war had done so much bad to you you crying like just love yourself just be authentic and be true to yourself live your life there should be no limit to you you are enough you are beautiful you are unique then they know that you are unique your disabilities is is part of you it's what makes you unique so that's all i can tell them like empower yourself i know it is hard man putting ourselves out here as a person with disability not everybody have that mental strength to go through what some of us can go through on a daily basis most especially on the internet it can be it can internet is brutal it's me it's yeah. evil some of the comments that people say to me my friends will be there do you read these i say yeah don't read it not everybody can do it so but i would tell them not because people are mean so you should stop living Live your life yeah. and let the world adjust to you. You don't have to adjust to the world. Wow. Let the world adjust to you. You don't have to adjust to the world. But to be frank, this interview, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it just taught me a lot about our society, mm-hmm. our personality, and a whole lot. Like, I must appreciate you. You are a strong woman. You are Thank beautiful. You. Also, mm-hmm. wait, I don't know. Can you speak like the labyrinth? I speak Kolokwagu. <laughs> 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 Honestly, I wish I could speak my tribe, my dialect. I wish I could speak Basa, but I do understand Basa well. Yeah. Oh wow. But I wish I could speak it. That was one of the things I made mistake while I learned it. I was also angry because my daughter wanted to learn my she wanted to learn Basa, and I can't speak it, so I'm mad with myself. <laughs> I see. I, I can only understand one password. I can speak one password rather. Which one? What is it? Le possible. We got. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only password I can. I It was an honor. It is a privilege to be on your podcast and because my goal is to make sure that our voices be heard not just in like Europe but I want it across the world that people with disabilities be treated with respect and dignity that we be included in every policy decision making in in our government that and also we should have a seat at the table as well so yeah so i want to say i appreciate you for having me on every little podcast i can go on to have my voice on to to share our grievances of people with disability but thousands of them in my inbox like sometimes I go to my inbox and see people from all around the world with disability i reach out to them so yeah so and i want the voice to be heard so 
I am like a messenger. So, and I appreciate you for having me and your the, the lady in what country the lady on. I want to say thank to her too. I appreciate both of you for having me. Okay, but do you have a particular platform name that you work along with? Is it just uh, like the the program we offer for people with disabilities? Is it just the no limit or there is just, just a no limit? Uh, just a no limit. I, I haven't. I'm working on my foundation, but I haven't completed yet. So it's just my social media platform. So my foundation is called Team Enable Foundation which I need to do all my documents and register my article incorporation, all those things and stuff and stop on it. But it hasn't been completed yet. So that's what I think you used to no limit so I can be legitimate before that. No limit. The limit alone is a whole fact. <laughs> no limit. No limit to what you can do. Not even you yourself. Don't limit yourself. Don't let nobody say it's hard. Oh, there's the only thing you can do. No, you can do multiple things. Just have to be yeah. focused. You have to be consistent. Thank you so much. I appreciate You're you. Thank you for being on Sisters Africa. Thank you. You Bye-bye. have a blessed day. Bye. <laughs>